0: So I had this friend growing up who saw the world through rose-colored glasses, and she really saw the good in most, if not all, people. And the world through her eyes was a magical and mysterious place. And she would say things like, we have to go to prom. Because it could be the most magical night of our lives. And you wouldn't want to miss out on that, would you? And so she was a lot of fun to have around during those years. And she did just make the world an awesome place. And she did look at teenage boys and say, oh, he's mysterious and deep. And I know that he has way more going on than he lets on. And it was just a lot of fun to see things like that. We were all kids back then, and we had very little experience in the ways of the world, and we had very little in the ways of education, and all we really had was what our parents told us. But beyond that, our little brains trying to navigate through the world often consisted of basically wives' tales, superstitions, and folklore. So for many of us, walking under a ladder or opening an umbrella in the house or not throwing salt over your shoulder after you spilled it was uh, just not going to happen. Everybody believed in all this stuff and uh, we lived our lives this way. And I remember having a conversation when I was in college uh, with my roommate who basically grew up on the other side of the country and told me that when she was in high school um, there was a serial killer loose in her neighborhood and that that was a real fear for her and then she asked me what I was afraid of growing up or as a teenager and my answer was Indian ghosts, of course. They lived in the woods and they were always there. Looking back, I think my childhood was a heck of a lot easier being afraid of Indian ghosts than it was being afraid of an actual serial killer. But it's an interesting viewpoint because what happens to people when they grow up looking at the world as a magical and mysterious place and then they're faced with real adult problems later on in life that you know there is no fairy godmother and there is no miracle that's going to happen that adult problems come along and that kind of look at life doesn't really help. And for adults, they may not look at the world through rose-colored glasses as my friend did, but there is a certain way of looking at the world that is sort of idealized or in denial. And if you've ever talked to a cop, they see the world from a very different viewpoint than many of the citizens do. Now, I'm not saying that adults view the world through rose-colored glasses the way my friend did, but I do think that there are a lot of people who understand the world with the idea that Everybody is good and well-meaning and miracles do happen and people can change. I think that's fine if it works for you. But a lot of times that is not fine for adults because something happens that when a bad thing happens in a person's life, and they don't have any kind of logical explanation for it, then the world becomes a really weird, unexplainable place where things happen at random and you don't see anything coming. I see this often with couples, right? One of the spouses will say, you know, my spouse had an affair, but... um, I could tell that he or she had changed and then another affair happens and they're sort of blindsided and didn't see it coming because they thought their spouse had changed. Someone who is a domestic violence offender goes through 10 classes of anger management and then everybody's surprised when they offend again. But I don't understand. They went through all the classes. Why aren't they better? So what I wanted to talk about today is the concept of psychological myths that still occur in our society. Much like the superstitions and the wives' tales and the folklore of my childhood, there are still psychological myths that get perpetuated and passed on and i often hear about them in therapy so one of the myths that i just alluded to was the idea that people can change now there's a certain amount of change that can happen i witness it every day in therapy and that when people really work on themselves and change their behaviors better things can happen in their lives but I think the myth here is that people can completely change their personality that is not something that changes and I think this is why people get blindsided when they expect someone they love to change completely and they don't Perhaps the reason that people think this is possible for someone to change their personality is because this is a sort of convenient trick of lazy writers in Hollywood. Um, I will often see a plot line not working as well or sort of running its course and then lazy writers will completely change the personality of a character in a movie or a TV show, and it's kind of annoying. They'll usually take somebody who's got a very specific personality type, let's just say OCD, for example, and then they'll realize that doesn't move the story along the way they wanted it to, and so suddenly the person will be completely relaxed and totally not neurotic and able to handle things because something changed them. They fell in love, something happened, and somehow, miraculously, they became a different person. Unfortunately, perfectly good people end up believing that in real life, this is actually possible. And the way it will play out in therapy is I will hear people say something like, well, I need to give him the benefit of the doubt. I need to give him an opportunity to be better. Or she's under a lot of stress right now, so I have to be more open and understanding. And a lot of times what ends up happening is that the people who come to therapy end up believing in this myth and making excuses for people who aren't going to be different or change at all. Because truly in the world of psychology, we have a saying, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Now, not to say that people can't be better behaviorally, The needle can get moved and changes can happen, but people do not transform from one type of person into another type of person. The problem with believing in the fantasy that someone you love could miraculously change into someone else is that you wind up disappointed over and over and over again. I often see this in young women who are dating someone and they're sort of waiting for the person to be a better future version of themselves right i'll just i know he has so much potential i know he's going to be different when he's older i think many heterosexual women are guilty of this they're always sort of believing in the potential of the guy they are dating instead of in who he is right now so they will date somebody even marry someone with the idea that one day he will be a better person or I know he has a big future ahead of him he just needs to realize a B and C And the truth is, if you're getting ready to marry somebody or date somebody seriously, what you see is what you get. Don't expect anything else, and you won't be disappointed because people don't change their personality. Another myth I see perpetuated is the idea that people can learn so easily. And a lot of times this comes from, unfortunately, a lot of people who have learned themselves and have been in therapy and thought long and hard about things and worked on themselves. They're the ones that actually think it's possible for big transformations to happen with other people. So an example of this would be I learned because this this and this happened to me therefore the person I love will learn from the same things that I did but the truth is everybody is on their own journey and some people will learn immediately some people will learn ten years from now some people will never learn to change their behavior and so We really never know when that transformation in behavior, not personality, is going to happen. I see this most often with loved ones of someone who is an addict. They're always on this roller coaster ride trying to figure out when their loved one is going to have that aha moment and they change their behavior. They stop using, they stop cheating, they stop stealing, they stop disappointing everyone. Now, this concept of rock bottom is a good concept in theory. Um, I have worked with a lot of addicts and people in recovery of all ages. And there's something that always stood out to me that was said when I worked in rehab, which was rock bottom for an addict is death. And I think that may be true for a lot of people. It's not true for everyone. Some people have trouble in their relationships and they realize that's the moment when they need to turn things around. Other people end up losing family members, getting divorced ending their relationships with family members, um, no longer talking to family members, um, becoming homeless, going into prostitution. I mean, I think you could pretty much name it and rock bottom is going to be different for every addict. All addicts are not created equal. So what ends up happening is... I really feel for the loved ones of addicts because they're constantly on this emotional roller coaster when the person gets sober for a period of time and then ends up relapsing. That they thought there was going to be a new leaf turned. The loved ones believed that everything was going to be good from now on because the addict had stopped using and what happens is we don't know the kind of support that that person needs in order to really maintain sobriety long term i think everyone is different and so this is the sad part is there's a belief that when someone is sober for a period of time that, that everything is going to be good and perfect from now on. So that's one of the ways that I think this sort of magical mythical thinking can really hurt and disappoint people. Now there's nothing wrong with having hope but just be realistic about how much a person's behavior can change and what Kind of experience they personally will need to have in order to change that behavior. There's another myth that I see and that is the idea that if you're going to confront someone, if you're going to be honest, if you're going to tell them the truth and tell it like it is and get up in their face and just tell them off, That somehow that person is going to think about it and have some sort of aha experience because you've shocked them into it and they will never be the same again after you have this conversation or this confrontation or tell them the truth or be honest about what's really going on. That somehow if people are faced with serious, shocking honesty, that somehow this will transform them. And I do see this a lot where people are just sort of making preparations to have some big confrontation with a friend or a loved one or their parent or someone, and they're going to just tell them off or tell it like it is and that will change them that will do the trick and this i'm sorry again is another myth first of all i don't think it ever really comes out as confrontational as the person planned it but second of all all it does is it makes people think that you're unhinged and get defensive, and it doesn't really cause any sort of transformation unless the person is in a place where they're ready for that. And I think nine times out of ten, when you're about to confront somebody in a major way, they're not going to be up for it, and it's not going to do anything to change anything. So that's another myth that I think gets perpetuated over and over again. There's another myth that I encounter a lot in therapy, and that is the concept of quote, overthinking. I will hear this a lot from clients who are trying to deal with something difficult in their lives and they'll say, oh, I just think the problem is that I'm overthinking. If I don't trust my loved one, The problem must be with me overthinking. As a therapist, I will often ask the person, well, what do you think you're overthinking about? And basically what ends up happening is it's sort of a a situation that happened between my client and their loved one and it didn't get resolved. And so they keep thinking about it so it's just one of those things that sort of left undone and there's no such thing as overthinking you know if you're analyzing a situation over and over again or you're trying to come up with answers to a situation that doesn't have any good answers that's not overthinking that's a clue that something is terribly wrong if you're continually obsessing about something and blaming yourself about thinking about it over and over again, then that's not a problem that's within you. It's a problem that's unresolved, that needs to be addressed. And overthinking is often a clue that in a given situation, you haven't gotten the answers that satisfy you. Now, this is not to be confused with actual obsessive thinking. That's different. And usually people who have OCD know that they're obsessing about something that doesn't make any sense. They're aware of it. And they're aware that they are thinking too much about something that is not really a problem. So that's different than what a lot of my clients call overthinking so i will often hear this in couples therapy i will hear one person come in from the couple and say you know i thought that this was resolved and here my partner is thinking about it and bringing it up again and it's been two years and why are we still talking about this they are having a problem because all they do is overthink And I always say to them, the issue is not that they overthink. The issue is that you guys tried to move on from an issue that was not resolved. And so it continues to come up over and over again because it wasn't properly resolved. And there are still many questions or problems with whatever the issue is. The concept of overthinking also occurs in people who, have problems with trust. And what they will do is they will analyze a situation over and over again in order to figure out if they can trust the situation or they can trust the person with whom they are involved. And so they will try to test it over and over in their minds. And a lot of times people, especially people who were raised by untrustworthy parents, will encounter people in their adult life and get confused about who they should and who they shouldn't trust. And they will be trying to come up with an answer. And the reality is, is that you're never gonna really truly know who you can trust, you kind of have to have a feeling about it. It's more of an emotional thing. But if something happens where the skin on the back of your neck does go up or an eyebrow does get raised, it's something to really consider. That maybe it's not because you're overthinking. Maybe it's because you have a sixth sense about people who are not trustworthy. And I think the only way to get over that is to test it out and see if the person pleasantly surprises you and causes you to realize that they are trustworthy. But if you end up with more questions than answers, then it's not about you overthinking. It's about you noticing that something doesn't feel right and your instinct is often the best answer for any situation there's an excellent book called the gift of fear by gavin de becker and it really kind of illustrates this thing we do where we don't trust our instincts even though the reality is is that back in caveman times It was our gift of fear that helped us to survive and stay out of danger, and we still have that to this day. The problem is is that we feel bad or we call ourselves overthinkers or we feel like what we're feeling is paranoid, When in fact, a lot of times it's like your spidey sense. It's that extra feeling that something is off. And sometimes you don't even know what's off. It's just a sense that something is off. And I would say to pay attention to it and find out if you're actually paranoid or if you're actually obsessing, or if you actually have a sense that something is off, And it's your instinct telling you. But this myth of overthinking is a big one and it shows up in therapy a lot. So as I said earlier, you know, for the people who live in this magical and mysterious world where things happen at random and the stars align and personalities change and behaviors change and people really have good intentions, then wonderful. But I think the problem is going back to the idea that if you don't understand how the world works you can be disappointed greatly over and over and over again and there is a time and a place for magical thinking in a world where people fall in love and miracles happen and I think that's wonderful for some people, but a lot of times it gets turned around into self-blame and getting blindsided and getting disappointed. So as wonderful as the magical thinking can be, and hope is a wonderful thing that gets people through life, there's the other side of that too. And so myths such as people's personalities can change or transformations can happen, In behavior with very little prompting or the idea that overthinking is the biggest problem in our society these are all myths that get perpetuated and so I would invite you to look past this and see what's underneath all of it and how this stuff is serving you or not serving you in your life because when it comes down to it Thinking about the myths that are perpetuated in our society can lead to one of two places. Either a fantasy world in which the stars align and, and everyone rides off into the sunset and lives happily ever after, or Blair Witch, Chupacabra, vampires can also exist. And so you have to decide how much of this you want to buy into and how much you want to be realistic because the real world is not a bad place. In fact, it helps you to manage and understand everything that's going on around you so you can make better decisions. I hope for you that in the end, when you do choose the real world and you choose your instinct and you listen, to what's going on inside of you, that your world becomes manageable and enjoyable and you become able to control your own happiness.